0: Good evening, you're listening to Three Moves Ahead. I am Len, I am your host for this week, and uh, I am happy to be joined uh, by several developers from Creative Assembly working on Total War, Warhammer 3, and Immortal Empires. Uh, Do you guys want to just introduce yourself? I guess we'll start from the top of the Discord call with you, Rich.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm uh, Richard Aldridge. I'm the game director uh, for Warhammer 3. I've been in the role for a few years now. Looking after all the post-support content. Hopefully, you've been enjoying across the uh, series.
2: I'm Sean, the designer on the DLC team
1: for, for Warhammer. Uh,
2: most recently, led the team on Champions of Chaos and things like Twisted and Twilight in the past as well.
3: Hi everyone. I'm Michaela. I'm uh, the lead UI programmer here on uh, Warhammer uh, Total War, and uh, I've been working on. DLC since Hunter and the Beast, I
4: think, was my first DLC I came over on. Uh, So yeah. I'm William. I'm a game designer on the Warhammer 3 DLC team. And I primarily worked on, uh, previously, the Immortal Empires uh, release and settled with the DLC projects for Warhammer 2, starting with Hunter and the Beast myself.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, all of you, for being here. in case, for some reason, somebody watching this show doesn't know, Immortal Empires is kind of three Total War games smashed together. Uh, at this point, I think we have practically every major faction, or will someday have every major faction in Warhammer Fantasy. Uh, this map covers everything from Lustria to Cathay. And I'm just fascinated by it because, for one thing, it seems like something that like fell out of an alternate universe, Like this timeline kind of lets me down a lot. We don't get to have things this cool. Usually Um, I'd almost compare it to like the Mass Effect trilogy where you played one character for seven years across three games and all your decisions carried over. And I don't know if we'll see anything like that again. Uh, I kind of feel the same way about Immortal Empires. Um, So I guess my first question is like, what were you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in in taking on a project this ambitious, uh, you know, what what was the genesis of it?
1: Um, yeah, it's a massive project, right? And from from, uh-huh. from day one, when uh, we you know signed the deal with Games Workshop, um, we knew as a team, um, many of us Warhammer fans, that we wanted to do the world justice and get all the characters, all the races, all the places, you know. Uh, in um, and starting with the first game we knew we just knew that we just couldn't do that all all straight off the bat so um, the plan was very much you know we make the first game we put out the content that we did which was around uh, a lot of the old world places place like the empire um, sylvania uh, and, and the likes but we knew in the back of our minds that we wanted to reach out to what would become immortal empires where all the games, all the content, it all comes together for everyone to enjoy and ultimately have a a sandbox experience uh, like no other with uh, Total War.
0: So um, I'm really curious to hear, and anyone who wants to take a swing at this, feel free, but what were some of the challenges just getting Immortal Empires functioning that were maybe unexpected to you guys or like are less obvious, like something players would never think about, but it was kind of a huge pain in the ass.
4: I think something that comes up a lot or came up a lot for us during the process was this idea of the foundation we built on had changed quite a bit. And when we stepped into game three, a lot of the systems that we originally built our features on weren't the same anymore. And so suddenly, You're forced to look at those features you built and reassess them both from a technical and also from a design perspective. Look at them again and go, Does that still work in Armor Three? It was working fine for so long, but now you're not so sure anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean beyond the technical problems of yeah, a a game that ever evolves. I think you can see one of the big technical hiccups that came with with Norsk in Warhammer two and how to avoid that happening again in Warhammer 3. Um I'd say that we successfully managed to sidestep a similar scenario as yeah we'll kind of touched on it the, the game got better from from the first game in warmer one to where we ended up at the end of warmer two dlc and warmer three's release there was quite a lot of factions that if we put that out there today and said oh yeah that's what you bought four years ago and it's going to play exactly the same and we're not going to do anything to try and make it better you'd probably go really you've made like the giant super world and he didn't put any extra effort to like make it a bit more fancy. And, and that's where you can see where some extra time went into moving characters around, giving them new features and showing every character, the love that we want to give all of them, not just the ones that are the new toy, but the the whole package.
0: Yeah. uh, I guess for anybody who, who might maybe have came along later, it, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that for Warhammer 2, you basically had to remake Norska because they just didn't work. Porting the code over is that more or less what happened?
1: Uh, there was quite a lot of rolling up of sleeves and uh, and uh, <laughs> redoing re- that my, myself <laughs> included. Uh, I couldn't let the team do that on on their own. Um, yeah, as as both Sean and uh, William have sort of alluded to, things moved on right. Um, we made improvements in the in the newer games but that meant that some of the data was, was, was having a mismatch so it wasn't an easy job of just simply bringing it across um and as sean also said you know we want to we want to improve we've learned a lot thanks to our community over the years and that's why we've gone back and done our old world updates and uh, various in, improvements so um each time you know one of the major games has come out that's that's you know, made us look back at, at what we've done in the past, how we can improve it. And, and if you take Warhammer 3 um, and the Mortal Empires as an example of that, when when the team was working on some of the DLCs with me on, on Warhammer 1, we weren't thinking so much about a, a multiplayer experience. Yes, it existed, but not to the extent that it exists now. So, you know, some of the some of the features, some of the races were built much more with a... Single player focus, but we we knew that when we were undertaking multiple Empires, that we wanted to, you know, change that. We wanted to improve that, and uh, and and use what Warhammer Three had created. So, as you can imagine, a lot of scripts got uh, ripped up, thrown out, changed around, code and data, you know, again uh, reintroduced, rewritten. So uh, now you get to enjoy um, in in all of its glory with the, the suite of features that Warhammer Three offers.
0: So now that immortal Empires is up and and running and it's you know it's working, I would say it's working surprisingly well for a beta uh, and, and people are playing it every day um I was looking at the steam charts numbers just yesterday and it seems to be going pretty strong um How is the team feeling like is it is it still oh we're we're we really have to like you know nose to the grindstone to get it get it through to release or did you guys kind of have a sigh of relief when it was well received
1: Michaela, do you want to <laughs> yeah I'm happy to take it but yeah how how do you feel about it <laughs>
3: i mean um i felt really good about mortal Empires* when it was released i i i didn't expect to <laughs> no way because there was so much it was so big and you know there were there were so many problems we had to solve uh but seeing Immortal Empires and people playing it, because I often follow streamers and like watch them play it. Uh, it was just amazing seeing them having fun with it. It was just great.
4: I think uh, I'm going to weigh in on that, too, that for me, it came down a little bit to I spent so much time on this very low level looking at individual problems that until it finally released, I didn't feel like I could take a real step back and see the entire product all at once. And when I finally got that chance, when I got that chance to the lens of seeing the reactions online, that was honestly a huge relief to me. When you're working with only the problems to solve them, you can only really see the problems.
2: Right, yeah, right. To, to add to that, to sort of allude to where we're at now as well, I think before it released, there was just a sense of anxiety of, we think it works. Oh God, I really hope it works. We, you know until you get hundreds of thousands of people playing it and playing lots of campaigns and all sorts of experiences, you you just kind of hope um, and now that we can see what does work and what doesn't work and, and you know there's, there's plenty of things still to resolve. It's much easier and a lot more reassuring to say, okay, that's what doesn't work. We can tackle that in order in priority and we can create a better experience without that weight on our shoulders of could be anything that's broken, it could be incredibly serious and we just haven't seen it yet so much better place
1: Yeah I mean with it being so vast um, we knew all along that we were going to need the players' helps you know with the feedback towards it our best foot forward was to carve the map up um, into what we ended up calling theatres internally and that, that just gave us kind of an area, uh, I wouldn't say a small area. They're, they're still pretty big, um, but a, fo- a, fo- a focal point, right? And we could uh, pick a character, pick a culture, a race uh, that that even made sense gameplay wise or lore wise, or ideally both, um, to to focus on and make sure that we've got a good experience for that for that legendary lord. Well. Um, and then sort of build out from there. You know, who they're going to be fighting against? What missions are they going to have? and so on and systematically working our way around the map. But yeah, until it's in the players' hands, um you you know, you, you do what you can and uh and, and, and you wait you wait to hear back really. But uh I think for me the moment when we launched the trailer which sort of panned around all of the Mortal Empires was uh yeah quite a a humbling moment. It, it, it's so big, so vast, So many Years and, you know, hours of blood, set and tears pumped in by the team, uh, all the different disciplines. So it's wonderful to see that come, come to life. And myself as a, an avid Warhammer player mm. uh, and, and particularly painter, to, to, to have a world now where you've imagined it growing up but in front of you and you can dip in and choose places that you maybe you never thought you'd ever get to go to is, uh, yeah, a really special one.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, we we there is like a big patch. Is that still scheduled before the end of the year? Is that still the timeline for that um, that next point point one patch? Or
1: uh... yeah, we we're still going to be updating the game. Um, hopefully before the the year's end, that's our intention. So yeah, more fixes along the way.
0: Right, so what is, like, what are the bullet points of, uh, if someone's playing Immortal Empires right now, like, what are the things that still need to happen before you guys are going to be comfortable just, like, ripping that beta sticker off of it?
1: That's a great question, and it's one that I constantly ask myself, um, when is the right time to remove that? And I think, for me, it's, it's... it's when our players tell it's the right time that we've done enough. I mean don't get me wrong, it's an evolving game just like Mortal Empires was, so in a way, the job is never done but um I think uh we've put it out in a in, in a good, good manner. We knew that there were some um problems which think you know that our players have brought to us, and again in in this latest update, we'll address some more things um uh, which again have been brought up by the community as the top issues. That's you know that's what our focus is. We're we're here to improve the enjoyment of the game. We're listening to our players, actively wanting to improve it for for them. Um, so yeah, I can't tell you when we're going to remove it. All, all all I know is that we've got plenty more that we want to do, that we know that we've got to do. that our players are asking us to do, um, and we've got you know a long and exciting journey ahead of us.
0: All right. Well, it's becoming increasingly common for um, strategy games to have these very long life cycles with ongoing support. Um, the Total War Warhammer trilogy, particularly Mortal Empires, certainly gotten that. But I'm curious um, if you guys have looked at you know, Civ or the Paradox games where they won't just add like new content, but they'll pull these expansions out that they kind of change how the game plays. For everyone introducing you know new mechanics or, or new gameplay layers, I'm curious if that's something you you've ever thought about adding to Total War Warhammer and if not, why is it not a good fit
2: i'll I'll jump in and say we we're, we're always thinking about what could the next piece of content be you know always trying to try something new, never want to settle down into uh, we just make the same thing, and it's you know you new, new can't. We we do want to push the boundaries. Well, I think we already do kind of re you know reinvigorate the game frequently when we drop you know even a new character, but especially when we drop new new races into the world or we we change how they work. Because that even if you don't play as them, you see that that actually changes the dynamics of the of the world. It changes the play out. It kind of keeps the game alive, even if we don't necessarily put new mechanics in for everyone. Um. Well, you know, never say never, we there might be some, some newer new features that we go, wow, this is too good to not give to everyone, or this is the perfect idea that the game has been missing.
1: Yeah, we, we're kind of looking for those opportunities, right, where they present themselves. Um, again, when we made um, Queen and the Crone, uh, early part of Warhammer 2, we introduced the sort of cane mechanic, which was something which affected pretty much everybody in the game, um, you know. It is, it's an Elven feature, but we, allowed, we built it out and allowed it that other people to get involved, or you know, ultimately um, someone come and use it against them. So, um, Skaven under cities is another one where we, you know, uh, some people would say that Skaven don't exist, but uh, anyway, they, they they have they have these under cities just about anywhere and everywhere in the world, and uh, again, we wanted to make that. A key feature that you're never quite sure wherever wherever you are that um, the ratmen might pop up and, uh, you know, spread plagues and cause you all sorts of pro- problems. So definitely, definitely uh, have been inspired to do that. We'd like to do it more. We've just got to find the right opportunities uh, to do so.
0: Awesome. Well, I know you you guys can't really talk specifically about DLC. Uh, even though we all know Chaos Dwarfs are coming. So let me let me phrase it this way. Of all the race packs or campaign packs or or even race revamps uh, you've done in the past uh, for for Mortal Empires or or for coming into Immortal Empires, which ones of them do you feel like were the most successful and made you go, yeah, we should do more stuff like that in the future?
3: I f- I feel like... I really enjoyed the Silence of the Fury pack that we released the last. That was massive. There was so much fun working on it. We had uh, all these cool features. We had this new, you know, gameplay with with uh, Torox, And uh, uh, also, I love the Oxyotl gameplay, where it's very different from anything else. You go and snipe these little, you know, you go teleport over there, you snipe someone, and you teleport back. And I thought that was such a cool uh, imaginative, uh, DLC pack that we released. It was, it
1: was great. Yeah, that was a great one riffing off of, uh, yeah, potentially other games out there and, uh, uh w- you know, we, we do, we look at all sorts of media, pop culture. Um, a little story for you, when we were uh, working on, uh, Wound and the Paunch, uh, one of the designers came in room and said, right, everyone, i got an idea. Eltharian is Batman, and everyone, everyone just like turned around and like you know what, and just laughed. Anyway, no, no, seriously, seriously, he's Batman, and he's gonna have a Batcave, and you're gonna you know get people off the battlefield and interrogate them and learn out what they're gonna do. And do you know what? Everyone bought into it, and it and and it worked. I mean, we uh, even with our marketing trailer, there was little nods nods to that, and and sometimes, you know, you do, you get inspiration from film, media, other, other games. Um, and it just it just allows us to try and create that different gameplay variety. That's something that we pride ourselves on, that um, asymmetric design across the game and the races and the factions. So I know it probably pains some of you sometimes when we go, mm, no, we're not going to give that to this, this faction and this this race. But that, that's kind of the reason why we want it to be fresh. We want it... Everyone to feel different and have you know some levers and pulleys to pull and others to not, you know, so that it does feel fresh and rewarding. And I know, I know, Will's been uh, going back and fiddling around and improving bits around norska recently. That was that was one of our you know DLCs from Hammer One. So I'm to talk a little bit about that one.
4: norska was definitely one of the ones we looked at very early on in Mortal Empires because. Norska was a very early project and carried a lot of signs of its time. And when it came to placing it in this new game, Warhammer 3, the Chaos Game, as we sometimes called it, the game where Chaos gets its due. And Norska is tangentially quite close to, of course, the other Chaos factions. And it felt like we couldn't just do nothing for Norska in the same space as we put it in all these demons. And uh, of course, we were also doing work on the Warriors of Chaos. And that's kind of where all that stemmed from. Of course, that was something that we did very much as a, this may not be the Korea rework. Not yet. We'll see. But <laughs> we have to do something.
0: Yeah, it felt like, uh, you know, the first time I played as Daniel, as the Demon Prince, I kind of felt like, okay, this is like, this is just an evolution of kind of, the idea that like Norska started out with, with their dedications and stuff. And now beast men kind of have their own unique way to do that where they have, it's, it's geographically based. Um, so now that, you know, there is another faction that is basically doing these, you know, okay, dedicating to the chaos gods to unlock extra rewards. Do you feel like Norska needs a new, like, thing that's like their thing, or are you still thinking that it's going to be fairly similar to how it works now?
4: I think it's too early to say for that one.
0: OK, fair enough. Um Other than Norska, are there any other existing um, factions coming over from game one or game two that you still feel like need some more love in the near to medium term future?
1: You hope you're hoping going to say vampire
0: counts, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I know there are people who in the audience
2: are. You know, yeah, I can give uh, the
1: boring answer of
2: say all of them because, you know, <laughs> like, like, like we said earlier, as soon as we we push the bar forwards for for one race, we then go now the gap's even bigger. We have to go back and look at this guy, and then we, but now this guy looks worse. So you know, there's, I think you know the Warriors of Chaos are a good example, right? Like for a long time they were the one we go. Man, we gotta fix them. They, 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 need some love, and then I'd like to say we have, and and now that we've done that, we have to go. Well, who's next on the list? But but it is a cycle. The list goes on forever because eventually, you know, four or five years time ago, damn, what is a chaos? Need a rework. Everyone else has gone so much further ahead now. So you know, there's no end. There's only forever upgrading everyone,
1: and that's what's quite exciting for us. I think. Um... Because we've got so much content, time passes, and uh, I know for, for the team it was a it was a an interesting experience, like going on uh, Twisted Twilight, back to fix Wood Elves, and then as Michaela said, Science and Fury fixing Beastman. Beastman was like our first product, our first DLC. So opportunity to go back and rectify, and you know we've all skilled up, tooled up. Detector and the like. learnt so much, and um, you know, been encouraged by our community to you know push in certain directions and, and bring more out of the game. So quite a quite a, a a nice experience, really, to right the wrongs. Well, they weren't even wrongs, but do you know what I mean. Improve the things that you tried to do first time, and now you've got opportunity to go bigger and better again. Yeah.
0: So I guess how about like the flip side of that would be who is like a game one or a game two faction, not to say that they'll never get updated, but that you felt just made the transition into Immortal Empires really well, where you look at that as, as you know, this is what we're aiming for when we update the other factions.
2: I guess the cop-out is Warriors of Chaos, because they, they got a big rework <laughs> with, with, <laughs> as Immortal <the> <laughs> Empires came out. Um I think other factions, though, you know, you look at the Empire, they, they're they drastically different from what they were in One and One. And then they now even feel quite different to what they were in One and Two when we touched them up again because we've now moved Bulk more around the world and we've tried to give him his own identity. And I, and I think that's in, in some ways kind of where we're going as well. You know, it's not just about the whole culture feeling good. We want to make sure that each lord within the culture has their own identity and that shines through. And that can be location, that can be feature. Sometimes it's just a the theme, but we don't want, you know, two different characters within a race to feel the same. We don't want two races to feel the same, like Rich said. It's it's all about asymmetry. So. I, I, but I think Empire is, is a good example without a full rework that they, they're in a good spot now in 1 of 3.
0: I'd like to request that Volkmar be moved into the sea because I like <laughs> playing Cetra, and it's just, it's always something. It's Vlad. <laughs> Or it's Folkmar or it's Repants, or like Scarbrand is down here now for some reason. Um yeah, that's <laughs> that's always like a it's 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 like a tense start because like I don't know if I'm still gonna be there on, on turn fifty or not. But uh,
1: yeah. Uh who yeah, would have thought that the world isn't big enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um so in terms of getting immortal empires from sort of like concept to implementation were there any like um notable regrets like maybe a feature that had to be cut and you hope maybe someday we might have a chance
2: to bring this back i've got a papyrus scroll i could roll out of all the things that you know we've had to <laughs> <laughs> you know it is the nature of development there's there's lots of things that, that at the time feel incredibly important um and then as time constraints come in and you realize actually we, we can make do without it we can still make a great experience but it does go on on that backboard of but one day we might come back and we might we might do it
4: i think of a, a good example of a feature that kind of went through this transformation was our original conception for the theaters where they were actually a discrete gameplay element where you as a player were aware that you were in a theater and you had a theater goal and that drove your decision making. But over time, we eventually walked that back into theaters as more of a conceptual thing. Something we use more as a, a bit of a pillar for how we design the area rather than a concrete gameplay feature.
0: Interesting. Um so almost so is it like was it similar to Empire, like Empire Total War? Was that sort of the idea?
4: No, it was more like a layer of as part of your objectives and as part of getting benefits for taking control of your your particular theater and knowing who your rivals were within it.
0: Okay, got it, got it. What are what have been some of the um, maybe unexpected comments uh, you guys have gotten from the beta or something that, you know, the team hadn't thought of, but then, you know, players started to bring it up and you went, oh, that's that's a good point.
4: Well. I can say that there's certainly been plenty of cases where I've seen a Thread or seen a comment and gone, gosh darn it, I really should have thought of that. (laughs) There's always more you can do, and uh, people who know so much more about the lore, who have studied this particular facet of the lore, more than you ever could, will come right out of the woodwork to tell you. And you'll go, damn, that. that sounds like an actually really good idea that I should have thought of at the time.
3: I was just going to say uh, one thing that surprised me about the so we we did a major front end rewrite uh, for um, Immortal Empire's where you know we had to fit everything in. Uh, so one thing that surprised me, I guess, was that people were very uh, opinionated about <laughs> it <laughs> on Reddit, uh, and uh, they were uh, you know they were they were um, mad about Karl Franz shouting in their face every time they shoot Immortal <laughs> Empires. Uh which is something he's always done in Warhammer 2 as well, but I guess uh uh it's more annoying now or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh actually let's let's go into the UI a little bit because I'm curious about what when you're trying to get this many factions <laughs> into a single campaign and they have to they have to all have their own identity. Um and I, I don't know if players, like, really consciously realize how much the UI sort of plays into that. But at the same time, you, you don't necessarily maybe have the resources to do, like, a unique UI for every single Legendary Lord in the game. How do you go about, like, making sure that, that each faction has a UI that feels like that faction when you don't have, like, unlimited time and unlimited resources to do it?
3: So I think... Um... With the um, main themes that we've been introducing uh, in Mortal Empires, uh, our UI artists have spent a lot of time actually ensuring that every theme has bits of that faction's element when you're playing them. So even if you're playing, let's say, a purple theme, you still have the elements of whatever faction uh, uh, you're playing. So let's say the Dark Elves, they have their own little unique UI elements. If you look into like the little borders or the you know top bar there's always little bits that are u- unique for that faction and that's uh something that our ui artists have spent a lot of time um working on uh for more specifically as well just making sure that everything looks um as good as it can and as as special i guess as it can got it uh as has it been um like a,
0: have you had to think a lot about Oh, this this could this game could still be expanding, you know, five years from now, you know, uh, Sigmar willing or whatever. Uh, Does that change how you think about, you know, how the UI is set up? Do you have to plan to leave room for stuff and things like that?
3: Yeah. So, um, yes, we do. But also we have to kind of hold the designers back sometimes because they go crazy. They give promises that they can't keep. Uh, And and then uh, uh, we come back to them five months later and we're like, you told me that this wasn't going (laughs) to happen. But I think with uh, um, one of the, you know, with the main themes, uh, one of the good things about it is that everything is now consistent for all the factions, which makes it much easier for us to just um, ensure that all of the gameplay elements are Uh, you know, in the correct position for all of the different factions, and um, so like when we add a new button, it's gonna be the same place for all the factions, rather than having to micromanage (laughs) all of the different buttons that we put. So yeah, that's uh, that's definitely something that we need to keep in mind for for the future.
1: And we're um, we're 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 actively and I guess encouraging right modding within our community. You know, it's long standing. Aspect of our game, so I know Michaela and the team uh, making allowances, shall we say, even in this area around accessibility in the, the UI, so that you know we're going to put forward the options that we can do uh, in, in the time constraints that we have and that we feel um, you know are good ones for the player to 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 have at disposal. But we welcome modders to come in there and and you know show us what they can do and. Uh, there's some really impressive bits and pieces out there and you know we we'll try and support them as best as, as best as best as we can. Um
3: yeah. But, oh,
1: sorry, I was gonna say we've got quite a strong modding background within our own team. So uh, yeah, no, we, we appreciate we appreciate the community there.
3: Yeah, one thing when we made them the main themes, uh one of the big important points that we, we tried to ensure was that uh, all of the modders that wanted to make their own themes were able to, and it's quite easy for them to add their own um, in in the database or like, you know, uh, just hook them up and they should just be visible and and electable in the front end. So uh, that was something I was really keen for us to do because I do know that there's a lot of people that want to make their own assets for the the UI and uh, that's something I think we should support as well.
0: Yeah, so, and I I know Warhammer 3 uh, shipped with, a considerable number of new accessibility features uh, which I think when a lot of people think about accessibility they're thinking about stuff like you know colorblind modes and 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 um, customizing the ui font size another one for warhammer 3 specifically or for more mortal empire specifically that I think about a lot is if I'm giving this game to my friend who has never played total war warhammer and doesn't really know warhammer Um, It's a lot of information (laughs) to like to like choose a faction. People on Reddit will make like flow charts to help you choose a faction. I know currently there's those little recommended icons. Um, But have you guys thought at all about almost like. um, I don't know, maybe. Some sort of like a new player interface that can help you figure out what faction you want to play. Potentially five down years down the line when there's even more factions and there's, you know, 500 lords or whatever, uh, not to put any specific numbers on
1: it. We are going to need a bigger match if you want 500. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're, what, about 80, 80 90 at the moment? Yeah, there's plenty, yeah. But, uh, yeah, less more yeah. to go. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, one the three introduction of the prologue so our attempts again at allowing uh, new players and existing players to enjoy uh, changes that have been made. Um, obviously more of a narrative feel there. We made even some changes there, but um, I guess fans of the series that purely want to see the narrative, they're already experiencing the game that they can, they can play through uh, and not be um, bombarded with advice and tutorialisation. Yeah, I I appreciate I think we all really strongly appreciate that it's it's a high barrier of in- entry, it's quite intimidating. So um we, we we're always looking to see how we can uh lay things out in a more digestible manner, you know, whether that's early game missions or um bat, you know, easier set piece battles and, and, and the like. I mean your idea almost almost in my head is like Pick your own adventure. Pick your own character. You know, uh, putting put on some of your ar- archetypes, who, who you are, what do you like? Because I appreciate not everybody knows um, all of the what is it, eighteen or so uh, Warhammer races, and we've got a couple of extra ones in there too. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely on our radar. Um, definitely room for for improvement. And um, yeah, again, we'd like to increase our accessibility options going forward in this game and the total
2: war speed beyond it. Yeah, and gonna, almost. Oh, go sorry, for I, it. I was just going to add on to that. I think the question kind of hints at um, new players, but I think there's just as big a problem where we're sort of failing our long term players. And I think we all see this if you open up your Steam library or your game collection, you get that choice paralysis of I have a thousand games I could play and I don't know which one to play, so I play none of them. And I think there's, a, there's an element of that in if you load up our game right now and you own everything and you don't know who you want to play, we don't do a great job of giving you a nudge. Uh, and I think, you know, we are aware of that. and that There's there's some thoughts in the background about what we can do to, you know, may, maybe you've done three Carl Franz campaigns and you just can't pick and you're like, oh, I guess I'll just do another one. We want to try and nudge. Like, why don't you try this out? You know, it's you own it. It's something you haven't done in a while. Give it a go. And I think that can help is that just a, a little nudge in the right direction.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, like, spotlighting characters, you know. um, And Michaela quite would like to get a randomization button, I believe. I did suggest that, yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah, like, you just put a random roll, and then you just load into the game.
3: That'd
1: be great. So, no promises, but maybe. Maybe that in the future.
0: I did remember what I was going to ask earlier about cut features, which is, uh, I don't know if this is just a beta thing, or if this is, sort of the intended behavior. But up until now or up until Immortal Empires, we always had that, you know, uh, you would start a campaign and the advisor would do the little flyover with, you know, letting you know your situation and, uh, you know, who's around you and stuff like that. Obviously, there's a huge number of lords in Immortal Empires. A lot of them are in new start positions. Some of them might move around, which would mean you'd have to re-record the VO. So I imagine it would be a huge amount of work, but is that something that you want to bring to Immortal Empires eventually?
4: So I think I can talk about this one from the angle of why they're not there, and one of the primary reasons is we're kind of settling in for the long haul. We're building a found foundation for this game, and as part of that, we know we have a lot of characters coming, and we know we're going to struggle to place them all on the map. And one of the things we experience over the time of making Warhammer 2 and Immortal Empires was Once you put someone down, you recorded all that VO, you set up that flyby, that put an extra cost in us taking them and going, you know, we actually need this person to be somewhere else now. And so part of that was kind of streamlining the development process so that in the future we can look at a character and go, well, with the extra context of this upcoming update, we think he should move again. And that can be used to provide, for example, a fresh, just new experience for that lord Without bringing on that extra cost of getting the same voice actor back to re-record those same lines.
1: And we're already utilising that, right, Uh, Will? In that, you know, taking on board people's feedback and uh, actively changing people's uh, characters' starting locations.
4: Uh, A good example of that, yes, was uh, Alithanar, who was able to be moved exactly because of that, after the feedback we got on Alithanar's original uh, start position, not feeling right for him.
0: So, is there any any idea of um, maybe how you would, if not replicate, maybe replace that um, sort of feeling at the beginning of the campaign that you're being welcomed into the world, as opposed to just like whoosh down and all right, go for it, kid? Like,
1: yeah, I mean that's, I guess you know one of the reasons why we put a, a beta or a beta, as you might put it, a tag on. On the Mortal Empires at the moment, um, we can definitely do more. But the Mortal Empires obviously is that sandbox feel. But we shouldn't, you know, ignore the fact that the Warhammer world is a really rich one, um, you know, full of content, uh, full of history. Um, we quite wanted to actually get um, some of the points of interest of the world uh, in, in, into the campaign. So I think that comes back to one of your earlier questions. Actually, probably something that like to have done, but didn't do. So you know. Call call out and celebrate important landmarks or, or places to battle throughout throughout the Warhammer history. Maybe there's something you can go and even obtain from it. I don't know, but um, in terms of the uh, presentation, sure. I think what we want to do though is not handcuff ourselves in that. If we did add um, maybe maybe a, a short cinematic flyby around maybe one of the theatres that we touched upon, or uh, you know a landmark or something that. We couldn't then change it again in the future because it definitely limited us in the in the previous games. But, you know, the fans were calling out for the Volkmar to be moved, and I think who who else? that um, some of the earlier characters. Yeah, I, right?
0: I called out for him to be moved into the sea. Early, so
1: <laughs> yeah. But we 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 developed those characters originally that they were all going to start from. You know. Um, the original starting location, so Altor for uh, um, Black Crackle, uh, the the like. So we hadn't actually recorded them as a faction leader. We didn't have diplomacy. Some some of these characters, and that obviously means um, seeing if the actor who's originally done it, because you know we don't we want, we want to maintain our high standards. Our audio is super important to us. Um, are they available? Can they come back in? Can they continue on that character? uh, in, in, in the series and, you know, give that performance, um, that people already enjoy and, have, uh, you know, come to, come to love. So, yeah, there's a balance. There's definitely, definitely room for improvement there. Um, but yeah, we don't want to limit uh, or, you know, reduce the amount of gameplay options that we can do in the future. So, uh, yeah, let us see what we can do.
0: So for anybody who hasn't been following, like, all the dev blogs and stuff, uh, what are the major highlights of uh, what's coming in, in this next major patch for Immortal Empires?
1: Okay, so um, we are introducing in-game uh, scenarios in Immortal Empires, but for multiplayer campaigns. So um, many players have asked about that. So that's one of the big areas um, of improvement. Um, we're also uh, looking to improve our AI, uh, things around like missile dodging and the like in, in battles. There'll be a host of um, improvements to things like uh, victory conditions, you know, for the various characters, uh, missions. Uh, and one of my personal favourites, uh, maybe not, not one of the biggest ticket items, but an important one, is we've got the factional colours. Or a mix of colours, batch, should I say, on all the Bretonian cavalry. So you can now see them in all their splendour, riding into battle with their lances down, and uh, looking glorious.
0: Excellent. Uh, I do have a couple of pet questions that I was I was told to ask here from other people in 3NA who couldn't make it. Um, uh, first one is: uh, Cathay monster units win. <laughs>
1: Is is a
0: dragon not a monster? <laughs> I mean, I guess they. I mean, then they have the with the Longma Riders, so I guess they're they're kind of monsters. Um, yeah, you might not be able to answer that one. Although I am, I that does kind of lead into another curiosity I had, which is uh, obviously we know that we haven't seen like the last of Cathay. There's going to be more Cathay content at some point in the future. Uh, It's it's hinted at in in loading screen tips and all this stuff when you're working with um, games workshop on that. uh, Do do you guys actually get to write stuff that they then approve? Like, is there stuff that originates in the minds of CA that then games workshop is like, yeah, we like that idea. That's cool. Or is it more that they're writing the lore and then you adapt it into the game?
1: So, in the case of Cathay, um, it's been one of you know uh, working together both both businesses. We've got a long-standing relationship. Um, we you know obviously both both love the Warhammer world, and uh, they've been a brilliant in allowing us to do some of the things that you see in One Warhammer and Two. You know, uh, bringing to life things like Norseker, Vampire Coast. Um, you know, what what an honor to be able to do that. And again, with with Cathay. Um, definitely not a faction that we thought we'd be making when we set up on our journey in Warhammer 1. Um, but yeah, as you can imagine, anything that goes into the game, whether it's writing, art, design, uh, uh, you know, it all goes back through Games Workshop for approval. It's their IP. Um, we respect that. We're meant to be, uh, a, you know, as, as good as it can be In you know, to support the law. So, you know, we have... Very um, collaborative com- conversations. We will talk about the characters, the units, the places. I mean, when when we we're making Cathay, we would be asking them, you know, what what do the environments look like? You know, what what do the mountains of heaven? You know, uh, what should they look like? And how big should a sentinel be? And you know, what what inscriptions might might there be on on the the great bastion? So. Um, yeah, there's 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 definitely back and forth, but you know it's their it's their rich IP uh, that we're just you know it's a pleasure for us to work on and and bring to life um, in digital form.
0: Was there a point in time um, whether this was like a technical prototype or even just something on a whiteboard when game three? ended at the mountains of morn and like that was the plan for for where you were gonna where you were gonna
1: stop um (laughs) it's the same it's the same warhammer too right in in mortal empires you know there's uh there's a start point there's the start of a journey um there's certainly plans for the future there's certainly more things that we'd like to to see and do given the opportunity um so it's one of those things again that we we work on internally and we ask games workshop for their for their support and guidance um and uh yeah we you know we hope to bring more life more enjoyment uh and more i guess uh uh options i guess
0: guess what i'm asking and just feel free to tell me if you can't say but like did was adding Cathay to Immortal Empires something where you had to change your plans uh, because that hadn't been, you know, on the table originally?
1: I think when we, no, so in Immortal Empires, I think you know, Cathay, Cathay was um, a key component of Warhammer Three, um, so we 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 absolutely knew that, but you know, the map can only be so big. <laughs> you need performance to be good as as much as having so much landmass. So um, you've seen it in the previous games, right? When we made the the, the first game, um, we had to really distort the old world. I mean, if you look now back at what our game looks like compared to a Warhammer map, Britonia looks quite a different shape, you know? Um, even things like where we brought, you know, Ulthwan in closer to, you know, the, the Edge of Britannia and uh, uh, Southern Realms and things like that. So we need that little bit of artistic license so that we can have uh, the performance that we need for, for the game. And, uh, you know, that was a massive concern for Immortal Empires. Uh, we knew the challenge for Mortal Empires and how, you know, how we going to get that amount of content in the work. And then, thankfully, Potion Speed Update did a brilliant job of... Uh, uh, allowing people to get to that content more more readily and easily, and uh we knew when we were like was it tripling the content about value in the Mortal empires that was going to be a challenge so that was something we worked on for a long long time how could we uh how could we get uh, the the intern times down to a palatable amount of time and i think I think we achieved that i think I think we did a good a good job there but uh, let 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 the players uh, tell us otherwise.
0: OK, and then I've got pet question number two, which is uh, the warband system in for Warriors of Chaos is fantastic. Is there any chance we might ever see anything like that for other factions, like having my questing knights in Britonia be able to take a grail vow or even just having my basic glade guard archers work their way up to way watchers as the wood elves? Um, I'll
2: jump in on that one. say. So- the Bretonnia, maybe. Uh, I think they 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 really line up with it. I think that a big part of the Warband system, which which is why it works, is it is it matches the fantasy of the journey. Um, you know, the the starting out is the the half naked man in the cold, and then becoming this super monster, armored up to the teeth, chaos warrior, all the way to chosen to aspiring champion. That's the fantasy that Games Workshop set out, and that we wanted to capture. Uh, and I think. You know, the Britonia kind of have that as well with the questing knights and you go off and then eventually you succeed and you become the Grail Knight. So it works there. Technically, yeah, you you could just make people swap weapons around, but I don't think that really is the like the value of the warband system. The warband system is telling those stories. So I would lean towards maybe for Bretonia, but for other factions, I don't think it, it matches quite as well versus... Um, you know some other systems which might actually achieve that
4: slightly better. I think it highlights something about uh, successful designs uh, that inform components for other future designs. We've seen that in the past with the Undercities and the Pirate Coves and the Chaos Cults and so on and so forth. As that one foundational system of what we call internally a foreign slot became this big key piece for so many little features right across the game and i think every time we make a new feature we we do look at it a bit and kind of try and internalize what opportunities does this give us in the future and sometimes when we look back at things look back at older factions we go so what new opportunities can we now walk back to this this faction that didn't have them when we first made them that's always something that's on the table
0: all right. Um so end game scenarios we've talked a little bit about um basically having, you know, some factions that you would not expect uh at, at this point I think uh or that wouldn't traditionally be thought of as bad guy factions can end up being sort of the the game ending challenge uh in Immortal Empires um and there's there are more being added uh as we go along. Um I'm curious if if there are there's a desire to have them not just be okay what faction am i fighting against but maybe that the end game factions would have slightly different objectives or slightly different behavior as opposed to just okay well they're gonna blob across the map but it's dwarfs this time or you know it's skaven this time and stuff like that
4: so to a certain extent that that's a goal that's being developed as we build these end games we've system is built to provide the flexibility to provide extra little bits of gameplay to the individual endgames and an example of that is when the skaven endgame pops not that there are ratmen in this world but if hypothetically there were <laughs> when that endgame pops it populates the entire map with a vast amount of under cities who start priming up and preparing for these actions like spawning more armies from underneath unless you detect them and remove them and that's one of these little extra bits of gameplay that we're looking for and attaching to these end games to provide them a little, a little more flavor specific to this end game.
1: Yeah, I think it's safe to say that, um, when we embarked on end games, um, having armies was certainly not one of the options, uh, that we could, that we could do and we've done, but it's not the only thing that we're thinking about. Um, so, you know, uh, Maybe in the future there'll be some other different challenges and scenarios for you to encounter. Um as we, you know, uh, learn what, what, what again what the players like, what they find what they find challenging, what they, they aspire to having. Um, yeah, we, we want to make it as rich and varied as possible. And again, as you're hopefully seeing through the the menus and the UI, giving the player the option to involve themselves in them or not, you know. Um this this is your game, this is your world, and uh, you're going to put what you to want to play it the the way you want. So
0: all right. Well before we get out of here and we could start from the top again, um I'm curious just to hear who's everybody's like favorite lord to start as in Immortal Empires right now, and what is it that you like particularly about that start?
1: Okay. Uh super question. Um I still really like Repants. I, I I, just, I just, I like uh, the way Re- the Bretonian system works, but I like living out that kind of fantasy, uh, you know, uh, galloping across the desert, um, sorry, taking out cetera, and, uh, and, <laughs> and Co. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, she, she's very heroic and noble. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy that one.
0: You gotta you gotta blast uh, "Precious Jerusalem" by Blind Guardian while you're doing that. It really
2: enhances the experience. Uh, I guess for me, I'll cop out. Name two. Um, <laughs> uh, I think for Archeon is definitely now what he was always supposed to be. So being able to experience that is is a big one for me. But I'm also secretly a Ratman myself, so. Uh, <laughs> You know, Queek or Ickit is probably my, my second options. So,
3: I think for me, it's um, Oxioso. Uh, Oxioso was a really, like, just cool, uh, special gameplay for me. It's kind of like the way I like to play. I want to be sneaky and, like, teleport in and out, like a, you know, like a one-man A-team. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> And being able to just... Um, save myself, and then just go and live on my little island somewhere. Uh, So yeah, definitely OxyOtto.
4: For me, I could wax about, oh, which one I think is the best design and that I love the most from that angle. But in truth, there's only one choice when it comes to my comfort campaign, and that's Grumbrindle, because he starts with a unit of flamethrower Iron Drakes, and he goes (laughs) up against lots and lots of rats to burn in eight. And quite simply, it is the best.
0: Fantastic. Well, I feel like I, I've actually never played Emric, but now that you've pitched to me that Emric is Batman, I definitely have to go try an Emric campaign now. Uh,
1: Eltharion. Eltharian is Batman, or Eltharion, uh, I'm sorry, uh, and yeah. uh, and Grom the Paunch was living out the dreams of Bad Max because that's that's that's
0: a very strong pitch. Uh, I for high elves, I usually end up going back to Elithinar just because I love my sneaky woods archers, but. Uh,
1: Oh, yeah, no, uh, a little last bit, Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm
0: I'm showing that uh apparently all high elves just look the same to me, which is uh, Yeah, I'm oh, probably going to get 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 canceled by the Phoenix King for that. Well, thank you all so much uh for uh coming on and talking to us. Um, as always, 3 moves ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs network. You can go check us out there and uh, check out our forums. I hear certain social media platforms might not be doing that great. Maybe we'll all be back on forums this time next year. Uh, that's idlethumbs.net slash 3MA. Uh, we're supported by listeners just like you on Patreon, where you can find us at patreon.com slash 3MA. Get access to bonus episodes, access to our Discord, all that fun stuff. Um, and uh, at least for now, we are on Twitter, where we are at 3MA. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, might be facing a little bit of an end game crisis of our own over over in that that uh, part of the Internet. Um, but yeah, thank you uh, to uh, Richard, Sean, Michaela, and William. And uh, this is Len saying good night.